It's the Hair Colors to Kill Sounds podcast, everybody. What's up? Live from LA. What's good? What's up? What's hood? One second, everybody. I, I gotta get a grab some gum. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Now, I this is LA side, you feel me? This is where creative ideas are born. We ain't gonna talk about Disney. We ain't on there. <laughs> you can hit the subscribe button, let someone know about the podcast. Uh, this is a wonderful day today. I'm really, really excited about the new content that I'm bringing. It's really, really dope. Uh, the ideas that I've had and been inspired by uh, for the past year and a half has come uh, to fruition and full circle when it comes to me uh, interpreting things and processing them and then getting a better uh, frame of reference. Uh, to anybody listening to this podcast, you must understand that you're listening to the most obscure abstract writer and or artist. <laughs> By no means what I do and interpret do I have this inclination that any of this would make sense to anybody. No one. And I'm perfectly okay with that. That's kind of one of my goals. So <laughs> it's not purposely to bemuse and confuse someone, but to uh, showcase this, uh, what would you call, spectrum, if you will, of how many things you can change the interpretation of the written word and the visual format and how it uh, has adapted and will be adapted into many other different ways uh, now, so, and in the future. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to, I'm going to just come off the back and say this. Like, if I was sitting next to somebody and then we were sitting on a video podcast, chilling on the couch, I'd be like, excuse me, excuse me, sir. Everybody would pause, you know, like, maybe looking around like, hey, this is one of those angry black man moments. And I'd be like, no, let me light my spliff up and let me tell you something. And so then I would sit down, place both of my feet on the ground, look these people in their eyes, and purposefully look and say, I don't care what the hell you're talking about. If you don't like your own material, something is wrong. And that's the subject for this podcast. If you do not like your own material, something is wrong. <laughs> like... I love my art style. I love my art so much so that I kind of like my art more so than other people's art. And it's no, you know, hubris to acknowledge that. Uh, it's not out of narcissism. There's some sense of how I've incorporated how I've lived for so long. And there's this sense of as artists, and I'm pretty sure every one of you um, have sat in this, you know, category of giving acknowledgement to others. And so much so that it, it continues and you continue to acknowledge others. You love uh, your favorite stories or you love that someone came out with something that was really cool and, and this sense of acknowledgement, but never to the point of your own self-accomplishments. And if you're not like a world-renowned or trained classically artist, uh, who post their stuff on Instagram or all these other different apps um, to get that it's no uh, self uh, narcissistic way of getting that acknowledgement for the works that you've done 
the, those are not what I'm, I'm mentioning. I'm mentioning this as far as the, the work. Like people in the artists, they, they love their work because it's beautiful. But not necessarily you won't get the same type of reactions for someone who writes unless someone comes and purposefully tells you that, hey, I love your column. I appreciate you writing, even if it's in a digital format. I saw it in a newspaper. I saw this article and da 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 da, da. Like, those are people who are famous. They're YouTube famous. But I'm talking about the writers who usually at the end credits of or <laughs> unless they're a New York Times bestseller, uh, would go as unsung heroes. And that's fine. You know, the greatest of greats, uh, you necessarily wouldn't hear about them unless you asked about them. But that's not why I'm mentioning this. I'm saying this because you as a writer have to love your stuff. But that's rule is not even rules. There's no enumeration with that. That's just a, a, a personal prerequisite for your excitement for the work that you're doing. Like, I got mad, 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 mad excited yesterday, today, to work on my project. And this is part of working on my project. And I was just like, yo, dang. <laughs> Like, yo, I got really excited about the things that I can bring, the, the minimalist aspect of it, but just so intricate and how intricate it can be. And, you know, complex and the complexities of the characters and the this and that and the this and the that. And I'm like, dang, <laughs> I may have to take some work with this. Like, this is really, really good. I like that. And for me, that's... Uh, a surprise because at first uh, it was not only a labor of uh, a burden but it was something that I had to go out of my way to do and now it coincides with what I do and it matches it and so I still have time to do this and then do many other things now so now it, it just opened up this uh, way or new rhythm that I have of working with the things that I love and now I incorporated this, writing. I cannot stress to you the importance of loving what you do because you never wanna go <laughs> into a writer's class and you sit down with your laptop and you sit down in, in those desks or, or seats and you're like, okay, well, how do I you know, do character analysis? How do I do my exposition? <laughs> and make it a project where it's a, it's a report or it's something that, you know what I'm saying? There, there's people who, you know, can go to class and you can have a collegiate tell you about certain things, but ultimately you don't want a collegiate as an editor to like go back and like tell you if your story is good or not. You, you want more than one opinion. You want... <laughs> A publishing house to give that comment and the delineator or the judgmental uh, factor into if you should pursue said project or not I really wouldn't even wait it on that I wanted to to be on how the public response is how uh, people in the street like it how people in the shop like it how people in the grocery store like it how your family likes it how you know, these are your peers, but not only, but the people who are there to read your said works. 
And, you know, collegiates are cool, no shots fired, but, I mean, it's a difference where they have their own frame of reference, which is entirely not the normal frame of reference in looking into the iconograph of every book that is filed under said category. But they have their own dissertations, they got their own research, they got stuff that they're looking at. And, and can give a progressive way of saying this. But for me, I'm like, yo, I can't. If you're a collegiate and don't like what you're talking about, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, if that's the subject matter and somebody gave you that as a job, like, if it's not psychology or, or being in the psychosis of the mind, like, if you don't like that particular part of the brain that you're researching or talking about, like I apologize to you because as a writer, I love talking about just writing and just that act alone. It's infinitely more complex than just thinking of an idea and writing it down. It's more so into this uh, introspective way of looking at yourself. And that's just, once again, incidentally, one of the first parts of doing so. It's like part one. It's like, hey, well, what story do I like? And hey, how can I put myself in this writing or not that or lack thereof and still give some frame of reference to whatever uh, what I liked if I was there in the 1950s? Ooh, what I would do if I was on this futuristic world in 2050, 88. Like, <laughs> it, it the point of even seeing something digital and, you know, the lack thereof of the physical copies of things should not discourage you as a writer into what it is that you want to bring. Those things are still important. Uh, written anything is still of importance. Your art is still of importance. So please, uh, regardless of life circumstances, have that in the back of your mind and have this love of your art form and, and, and own that. <laughs> you can't really honestly say that writing is something you do on the side if it is a book that you've invested time in more so than you've done so than your video games or something like this. Like you could spend 72 hours on a video game but spend 72 hours on you know a book and still have that book not completed. So it, their goal is a little bit more complexities with creating something as that as a project and, and to wrap your mind around how big that is. Uh, you, you never want to just discourage yourself and, and have yourself overwhelmed by that. That's why I, the first thing, you got to have that spark. You got to have that fire and be like, yo, yo, that shit was crazy, but... You know, I'm about to write today, man. I'm about to, you know, put some stuff down. I'm about to talk about some stuff because it, it's it's a part of their lexicon. It's a part of the writing uh, signature. And, and I was, you know, looking up this on the internet the other day. Excuse me, today, actually. And it popped up on my feed. And, you know, the, the scope of what we are experiencing and what people are reading will always be there. That's one of the things that I have faith in, is the mind of all of these brilliant people who surround me. These people are so, so, so smart. People listening to my podcast, hey, you smart. Because 
the, the books that they have written, the, the histories that they have written uh, themselves personally, first person narratives are bar none, you know, billion dollar you know, blockbuster movies. Uh, I, I can think of one, I think is Argentinian, Roberto Bolaño. Like these are people from around the world who have this aspect of looking into uh, the citizens, the cities, the, the social aspect of everything and breaking it down interpretively so that you don't even have to mince word with what they were trying to tell you. And, and you could tell that they love what they were doing because, I mean, they got more than one book. <laughs> so I'm developing this aspect of incorporating a, a different language. And I've had this in my story. And the reason why I'm tying it into this is because I, I'm attempting to create this language, but it's not pseudo. Uh, and, and it's not just a shortened version or an abbreviation of a language but a derivative of root language that we all have. And uh, this was to, you know, meticulously go through and break down the Latin uh, aspect of something and change this root into something else. And, and there's so many different languages that exist, uh, obviously not including uh, computer languages, but I wanted these aspects of, and I was describing this city, and, and it's one of the largest cities that anybody has ever seen it, basically the entire state of New York um, in a cityscape, no rural parts. Like it's just all cities, it's all, you know, architecturally and meticulously designed uh, to extend for an, an insane amount of, of weight and, and not including the substructures and not including anything else uh, as far as individualistic buildings. And this is just an idea of, you know, in this forgotten world of celestial and this is one of those places um i've come up with a name for it but i'm going to play around with a few other different names but i'm just loving this idea in itself uh, because i have not seen anything to this sheer scale nor uh the aspect of explaining the social uh, nuances and the things that people would go on on an hourly basis dealing with this uh, a mass of energy <laughs> that only can be, you know, akin to, I mean, uh, another country like Malaysia or India or uh, a larger countries that have existed for thousands of years. And with this, I'm, I'm developing this way or these people that, you know, have established themselves in the society um, off back. Like the first thing they did was establish between themselves that, okay, there's a root language and then there are many, many, many other different languages that people are spouting. And so how do you delineate which one is which? Uh, how do you, you know, they're basically going through and doing what collegiates or people who uh, study language would do. And they're breaking down and making it more accessible. And they're, you know, attempting to write, uh, what would you call, uh, symbols. But they're, they're having difficulty because there are no symbols, there are no languages to you know write down as reference. There are no books, there are no CDs, no hieroglyphs, nothing recounting of the past. And so that's pretty much the big uh, trouble or the big issue with what they're attempting to do, is, is how do you, you know, give frame of reference and how do you give credence and importance to something that 
no one knows exists or no one knows of its importance or even knows what importance means. And so they, they're basically having this, uh, <laughs> one could jokingly say, transmigration of different languages and this conversation that is being had. And, and so all of these people speaking in different languages, speaking at once, and the, the issues that they are bringing up is one of the subjects that I'm going to write about and talk about a little bit more. So that's just something that I talk about on air. If anybody is wondering what the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast is about, this is V, aka Vernon English, once again. And, you know, hit the subscribe button, let someone know about the pieces. Be like, hey, I like this black guy. He talks crazy, but I actually want to hear what else he has to say. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is V, aka Vernon English, and peace, peace.